Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thanks for joining us today. It is Friday, July 7th, 2023, and uh, so excited to have Lucas Doremus back with us uh, today. And uh, what a what a, a subject we've got for you today. We're going to talk about when demonic spirits show up. You know, Lucas has been uh, on here on our program a couple of times, and we've been talking a lot about a biblical uh, view of powers, signs, and lying wonders uh, based on his book, Deceiving by Signs. And uh, and we thought it would be great today, as we continue along that theme, to just let him share a little bit about his story, his background, how he came to know the Lord, and how he grew in the Lord, and particularly his intersection with uh, some of these uh, real-life experiences where uh, kind of the dark side shows up, you know, and uh, what we're going to be uh, learning today on the program, and, and Lucas is the preeminent uh, Bible teacher, so I know he'll tie everything back to Scripture, but we're going to be learning uh, that uh, the more you abide in Christ and stay close to Him, uh, the more uh, Satan and his uh, minions flee. But when you get away from the Lord and get out of His Word, it ends up uh, uh, kind of opening a door for Him to uh, to try to um, uh, play with you a little bit and wreak havoc. So I can't wait to bring uh, Lucas on real quick. Before we do, let me mention a couple of announcements. We are wrapping up another uh, full week uh, this week. It, it kicked off on Monday with uh, Stand Up For The Truth. If you haven't listened to that interview yet, that's still posted at our podcast channel uh, with David Fiorazzo. Tuesday uh, was July 4th, and I uh, kind of did a short intro and a repost from a year ago of a message I did entitled, Why America Needs the Church, and I encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, Wednesday was our weekly world events update with Randy. Lots of uh, info there. Really, really good Good uh, uh, show Wednesday with Randy. I hope you'll check that out. Thursday, yesterday, we talked with uh, Shane about the avalanche of technology and the Antichrist's tyranny. And we talked a lot about AI and sentience and what that means and how that relates to God's view of the image of God and man and what we as believers uh, should do to be prepared for the coming uh, transhumanist agenda. And then, uh, of course, uh, today we've got Lucas, but uh, we've got a double header today, actually. Later tonight, a mutual friend and colleague of, of mine and Lucas's, uh, Curtis Chamberlain, is uh, going to be uh, on, uh, actually will be on his program, the Christian Underground News Network. Uh, that's tonight. We'll go ahead and post that, so that'll give you something to listen to uh, over the weekend as well. But I was reading in uh, Proverbs chapter 7 as I was thinking about our topic uh, today, Lucas, and uh, Proverbs 7 says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. And that's verse 3 of Proverbs 7. And, you know, the Israelites, uh, based on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, um, took that literally. God had given uh, the Israelites a command to bind the Word of God on their hands and on their doorposts. And and uh, even though in, in the context, it was really figurative language in the Hebrew text, just encouraging the Jewish people to meditate on the Word of God without ceasing and to always view life through the lens of God's Word, they took it literally and and they actually, uh, you know, put little scripture holders on their bodies. Those are called phylacteries. And they also put scrolls inside these little uh, boxes on their door frames. And we call those, they call those mezuzahs. 
uh, in the New Testament, Jesus, of course, uh, condemns the Jewish leaders for their pride in, in those kinds of physical, materialistic objects, rather than trusting simply in, in God himself. But nevertheless, it became kind of a, a symbolic way to uh, indicate one's reliance and dependence upon uh, the Lord. And you'll still see that today. I was in a home uh, just a few months ago where uh, I was visiting a, a, a colleague, and uh, like us, he has an office at uh, on his property, and uh, I went into his office, and right there on the doorpost was a, a little mezuzah, and it was just it was encouraging to kind of see uh, that he, uh, he really, it's a, it's a reminder every time he walks through that door that he needs to trust in God's Word. And so, uh, as we bring Lucas on, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, our defense against the enemy should be the Word of God. Jesus himself quoted Scripture when Satan tempted him in the wilderness, and uh, and we need to abide in Christ. So, Lucas, so welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you so much for being on today. Can't wait to hear a little bit more about your story. I was telling you off air that, uh, you know, my kids have really appreciated your podcasts recently. Of course, you know them. You've, uh, you know, yeah. worked with them years ago when we were in the same church. So, um, you know, I think they like to listen to you more than me, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with that. So, well, welcome back, Lucas. Oh, thanks, JB. Yeah, I love being around your kids. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear they remember me, I guess. You know? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, I, I had a great time with I love being around your kids when we were together in Illinois. Uh, you know, and you, you brought up things around our house. You know, we have a couple posters of verses. We have that uh, the rapture mm-hmm. uh, verse about, you know, hanging by one of our doors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we have a Bible in just about every room. And you know, I understand it become le- can become legalistic. That's what happened to the Jews. But boy, there's something to be said about having that stuff around. Amen. You know, it certainly is the truth. Like Proverbs 4, you reminded me, this is one of my favorite two verses. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how many, he says, what, five times, to, you know, to get away from it. Yeah. You know, and a good way to get away from it is to be around the word constantly. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, what we're going to talk about today, I remember many years ago, uh, JB, you had talked about how, you know, we don't share our stories enough or our, our testimonies. You know, we don't talk about how God's been good to us and things like that. So that's kind of what this is, is th- this is some of my story of how I got where I am, but with an emphasis on the spiritual side. Mm. Uh, and it is certainly always, you know, the the evil spirits, um, you know, are always impacting us, uh, but God always wins uh, when we abide in him. So our launching passage, which JB, you talk about this verse all the time, is 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, what John's doing is, you know, he's throughout the whole book of 1 John, he's contrasting believers with unbelievers. And, you know, it's not tests of whether you're saved or not. He's not saying if, you know, if you're really saved, you'll never sin or things like that, you know, where some people get mixed up in John, 1 John chapter 3. He's just contrasting that if we're of God, we're not under the sway of the wicked one, as in if we're abiding in Christ, Satan is not impacting us. You know, if we're living and abiding in Jesus, we're not sinning. Not that Christians never sin. But we, I think you, the way you say it is you can't claim to be abiding in Christ and be sinning at the same time. Uh, right. And, and that. define abiding for us, because I know you and I know what that means. But uh, give us a little um, you know, word study on that word abide. So abiding, uh, boy, if you would have asked me that, I would have looked up the definition of the word. But abiding to me always just means taking your abode with. 
mm. uh, being around, living with, those sorts of things. So when I become a believer in Christ, uh, I've trusted him for salvation. But once that justification happens, well, now I've got a choice. Now I can either follow Christ, I can abide in him, I can walk with him, the many different ways scripture puts it, or I cannot do those things. I can quench the spirit, I can do all those things, and I've got that option. Yeah. Never means I'm not going to heaven, but it's right. the fellowship that I either have a choice to either abide in or not abide in. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the lexical meaning of abide, it's the Greek word meno, it, it means remain. But of course, like all words, it has to be used in context or understood in context. And so in the context, as you uh, so eloquently said, it means to remain in close fellowship with the Lord. To I, I like what you said, to make your abode with. That's an easy way to remember what abide means. And so abiding in Christ is not a requirement or prerequisite to get to heaven. Although, as you said, many Bible teachers sadly teach that and, mis and misunderstand the teaching. Um, I always like to go back to John 15, and I hope I'm not uh, stealing, uh, you know, getting ahead of you here. But uh, in John 15, written by the same apostle, by the way, John, who wrote 60 years later this letter that you're looking at today, 1 John. Uh, but in John 15, he was in the upper room, uh, part of the intimate meeting between Jesus and his disciples before he uh, was later betrayed that evening and ended up on the cross a few hours later. Um, and Jesus told the disciples uh, to abide in him. And at the time he was saying that, by the way, Judas had already excused himself to go uh, set up the betrayal. And it was just Jesus and the 11 who were believers. And so Jesus certainly, by telling them to abide in him, was not telling them to get saved or that they needed to be justified, as you said, uh, by faith. He was talking to a group of believers about the importance of staying close to him, especially in light of the troubling times that were going to come for them when there's their their leader, their savior was going to be betrayed and arrested. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll throw it back to you now, but that's what first John is all about is how we should abide in close fellowship with the Lord. Yep. And John is talking to fellow believers. He's calls them little children. Uh, I don't know how many times, but many, many times. And so this, you know, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. He's contrasting the world and believers, if we're abiding, uh, you know, co closely connected to that idea is James chapter four, verse 17, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Again, this idea of contrast, you can't be cozying up to Satan and say you're abiding with Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians chapter four, uh, so in verse 27 says, do nor give place to the devil. So the really strong indication is if we give any place to the devil, as some translations say a foothold, you know, uh, if we give even an inch of ground to Satan, he'll take it. Uh, that's why Paul in Ephesians describes our armor. Why? Well, if we have a chink in our armor, that's a weakness. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and that foothold is a great word picture, because if anyone's ever uh, done one of those rock climbing walls, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of elaborate ones. And some people are, you know, professional rock climbers or really uh, enthusiastic rock climbers. But even if you've just been to a, a theme park or some some playland where they have a, a smaller rock uh, wall, you know, if you were standing at the bottom of that, and looking up, and it was a flat as a, a you know marble flat sheer surface with no uh, outcroppings at all. You you wouldn't be able to climb up that wall unless you were Spider Man or something like that. But uh, but if there's a little outcropping, a foothold, 
you can grab onto that or you can put your foot onto that and then it's away you go. You can just go all the way up. And that's what it's it, uh, Paul was talking about when he says, do not give place uh, to the devil, is that if you give him a little bit of a, uh, as you said, a chink in the armor, then, you know, it get, could get worse and, and worse and worse. And to keep going on that rock climbing analogy, we've actually gotten into rock climbing within about the year. Huh. And if you ever get into it and discover, you will discover that you know, you think, oh, it's about height, or if I was just stronger, I can do it. Technique plays such a huge part in being able to rock climb well, which reminds me of Hebrews chapter five. Every, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. As in, it takes practice. God's going to give you opportunities and you're going to get better and better as you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Paul said. I think it's in, what is it? Second Corinthians nine. Uh, you know, I, I, I buffet my body. I, you know, I, I, I work at it. It's not something that we can just coast. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned, um, cozying up, uh, you know, Satan doesn't like people that cozy up to Christ, because if you're close to Christ, uh, you know, he's going to go the other way. But if you're out on an island, if you're away from the Lord, away from his word, if you're not, uh, you know, abiding in him, as we've been saying, uh, then you become a target. Yeah. And so I'll go ahead and go in. So uh, I am a, I am a layman in the church. Uh, you know, I don't hold any pastoral, you know, uh, in, in terms of salary, <laughs> uh, I don't have any degrees or anything like that. And so sometimes when you listen to guys talk about the spiritual realm, you know, sometimes they'll have these fantastical stories about, you know, exorcisms, or I had this such and such happen to me. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to hear somebody that's, hey, I've just gone through life and I've had demons impact me and they know who I am. And I'm not saying that with pride, but I've had those experiences in my life. Uh, the interesting thing, JB, I don't know if it works for you this way, but the things I'm going to talk about where I'm going to say, yeah, I think that was demonic. I can't totally without you know somebody being able to reason something else say that was unequivocally demonic power because it's deception. So there's always this backing up just enough that if somebody doesn't want to believe it, they don't have to, yeah. you know, and that's oftentimes how they work. Yeah, for you know? sure. And, and, you know, obviously anything evil that we encounter in our life is ultimately uh, the work of, of Satan, because there are only two sides. You're either with me or against yeah. me, Jesus said, but what you're talking about is direct demonic you know, uh, intersection, if you will, or contact, if you will. And uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your story. Yeah. So, uh, so when I, I grew up in a great home, I had excellent, excellent parents. Uh, we even, you know, I remember coming, going to a, a new church. We went church, uh, went around looking for different churches and we settled on a church in my hometown that was actually very strong on doctrine. And that was why they went there. You know, they met with the pastor and he, you know, was strong on doctrine. Uh, but what happened is that church started to become lukewarm. I know when I was there, they started hired, hiring some people and some people got as deacons and elders that were a lot more liberal. Mm -hmm. um, and so that church started to compromise on some of that doctrine. Um, and so I say that, 
you know, and that was kind of the sad. So growing up, you know, I wish there would have been somebody at that church that was a lot stronger and not it, it just kind of compromising on some of the liberal doctrine that was coming in. Mm. And so as I got to uh, when I got into high school, uh, we went on a hiking trip in Missouri. Uh, part of the the name of it is Discovery Ministries, and I think they're still around. And that's why where I got saved. Uh, mm. They took us on a 24 hour fast and put us just alone uh, in the wilderness where all we had basically was a poncho and a Bible. Mm. Uh, by the way, that was the only night it rained. So <laughs> none, of, none of our shelters were good. So I think we all got soaked that night, but you know, whatever. Um, but that was, that was where God convicted me of my sin and I believed in Christ. Um, and it's nice, JB, you know, you don't need the extra evidences that you're saved. But when I got home and I started uh, meeting up with the friends I had, I immediately, there was this kind of, I don't know how to describe it other than this kind of wall that I didn't like what my friends were doing. I didn't like how they talked anymore. And I think that's kind of the first time I've, quote, felt the Holy Spirit as just kind of a, you are different than them. And, you know, that was, it's a nice evidence to know you're saved. You don't need it, but it's nice when God does that. Yeah, I, I like the way you said that, you know, uh, obviously you and I know based on the, the doctrine of grace and salvation by grace through faith alone that we don't uh, validate our eternal destiny based on our behavior and, and those evidences. Uh, you don't need them to prove that you're saved. And by the way, that's a big deal. I mean, a lot of people out there, and you know this very well, you and I've talked about it through the years, a lot of people out there are convinced that the way to know that you're saved is by looking at your behavior. And as long as you're living right, it, it proves, quote unquote, that you're really saved. But that is not biblical at all. We never look at our works to determine whether we're saved. We look at the promise of Christ, who promised us unequivocally that if we trust in him, he will give us eternal life, period. That said, a normal, healthy, natural response to being born again by faith is that once the Holy Spirit takes up residence, it will, uh, you know, live out in positive, practical righteousness. And you are going to see a change. It doesn't, it's not guaranteed because a believer can cater to the flesh just as much as an unbeliever. Uh, so it's not guaranteed. But if you're healthy, then yeah, once you've trusted Christ, that Spirit of God's going to begin to really uh, convict and lead and guide. And you're going to see these evidences like you talked about. Yeah. And, and JB, this is a foreshadow to what will come. I didn't really understand a lot of that doctrine really until I met you and you started helping me through that. And so, but I can look back knowing that and going and kind of go, oh, that's what was going on. Or, you know, and there's a part of me that also wants to go kind of shame on the Christian church mm. uh, for not teaching some of that doctrine. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is um, because the opposite's true too. Not only do churches uh, erroneously teach that you determine whether or not you're saved by looking at your works, a lot of times they'll say when you sin, and this goes back to what you mentioned about First John chapter three. A lot of times people will mistakenly say, "Well, when you sin, or if you're struggling with sin, it proves that you're not saved," and that's not true either. Um, but uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, when we met. I'm trying to remember, wasn't it your mom that introduced us? Like, didn't I have, you know, a connection to her before I met you? So you met her without going into too much, because we'll get there. You met her at a Sunday school conference. And at the time we were looking for a church, 
Uh, and so she said, you know, I met this JV guy and I really liked one of his classes. You ought to talk to him and oh. you know, see if his church. Yeah. All but right. That's, jump, that's jumping way ahead. All JV. right. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, oh, one of the I wanted you said, you know, the, the different erroneous things uh, that churches teaches. Uh, my experience was more that they really didn't teach anything one way or another. I didn't know what Calvinism is. I had no idea what Arminian is, or, you know, you could have said reformed or dispensate. You could have said any of those terms and I wouldn't have had any clue what you meant. Hmm. And so that's, you know, when I say the church I was in started to compromise again, I, we didn't know any of that doctrine. Hmm. And, you know, again, that's why I say kind of shame on us, um, you know, but, uh, and so because of that, and uh, since, you know, other things, I'm not going to blame everything on the church or anything, but I was a very lukewarm Christian. Um, I was saved, uh, but I'm very open. I was lukewarm. I was not a disciple. Uh, here and there, uh, you know, things like that, but very lukewarm. Um, but even in college, uh, there was a guy I, I was friends with. Uh, for We got to be close. We started, you know, hanging out a lot more. Uh, but one day we were taking a walk because we, we had had to get, you know, from class or whatever. And we got talking about Jesus and salvation. Hmm. Now, I didn't know very well how to explain it. I'll be open about saying that. But I knew enough to know that the Bible was true. And I knew I believed it, even if I couldn't defend everything. And, and I'll say to anybody out there, you don't have to know everything about every doctrine and all the facts. But if you stick on the Bible and you know that's true, that's a good place to land no matter what. Amen. <laughs> um, and so after we had that talk, uh, we were not friends anymore. I don't really know why. Uh, I don't understand. He never told me why. But again, it was kind of that I look back and go, I think it was that Holy Spirit and whatever was going on in his life. Just there was a wall there and there were some circumstances in his life that I could point to to say, well, oh, that's why he didn't really ever talk to me again. But I think it was more spiritual in nature mm -hmm. uh, that even back then being lukewarm, I think, again, God was still preparing me for things. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, and so when when I graduated college, um, you know, and Sarah and I got married about a month after we graduated um, and Sarah, my, my wife grew up Catholic. And so there were some issues in our relationship. We'll put it that way, but mm -hmm. we'll just, we'll, we'll move. That's a whole nother podcast in itself. So. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> but, need to uh, talk one day. We'll do a podcast on that and Catholicism. That'd be great. Oh, we could have my wife on. She yeah. uh, could go through her experience. She's got, yeah, she, she, it, it was, we've grown a lot Amen. <laughs> yeah, Amen. that way. So, but we graduated college and we had a friend that was really, we hung out with most of the time and her thing was watching movies. That's all, that's all basically she did all the time. In fact, um, she has such, she actually has to have knee surgery because most of her time was spent on a couch sitting with her legs crossed um, that uh, watching movies that, yeah, her knees are basically ruined. Wow. Um, just to give a picture of how dedicated to what she was. So we did that a lot with her. Now we were watching a lot of, um, movies with spiritual themes um some of them were you know horror movies some of them were just very you know uh something from the underworld or you know this wizard's magic just all that kind of stuff um you know sarah one of the things we did is my wife would like 
sit on the couch and edit photos or do video little images things and i would sit there and play a video game and we would listen to uh radio back then you know podcasts weren't as big of a thing but a lot of things that we did had all these spiritual themes in it mm. And for your listeners out there that are old enough to remember, you know, movie stores like Family Video or Blockbuster, if you would ever walk down an aisle uh, of not, you know, like the A, the AAA titles, you would just see spiritual theme after spiritual theme of movies. And mm -hmm. we were doing that, a lot of that, whether it was movies, shows, games, whatever it was. So um, I, I tend to think a lot of people actually like that. In America, we entertain ourselves a lot more than most other cultures, I, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and given that Hollywood is so into those spiritual themes because they make money, uh, that is a foothold for the devil to get in, into. And as we get going, I did not realize how big of a foothold that actually was in me and Sarah's life. Mm -hmm. So uh, a couple of years after we got married, I got a job at a Christian school that was very, very ecumenical. Um, I th one of the things that was said by the guy who ran the whole Bible department the year I left was that we have 150, 140, whatever it was, churches represented, and rarely do we get a call from anybody that they're angry with something. And you know, that's pretty good. Now, the issue with that is we had everybody from Catholics to Seventh-day Adventists to Nazarenes to Presbyterians to any of the Bible evangelical to the you know, I mean, it was everybody. And if nobody ever said anything, what were you teaching? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Nazarenes can't agree with the, uh, the, the hard line, you know, Methodist Presbyterian doctrine. They can't do that because they're very, very different. Same with the Catholics or anything else. Um, so that was the environment. And now a couple of years after I got there, it was the Sunday school conference the year before you got there. So I don't either you weren't in Illinois yet or you didn't know about it one way or another. But um, I, I brought I met a guy who wrote a book called Entertaining Spirits Unaware. Now, that book is a bit dated. It's by Eric Barger. That book is a bit dated. That was back when uh, Harry Potter, the, the books were still being written. Uh, you know, when when there there was the Pokemon and the Yu-Gi-Oh and some of that stuff is a little bygone. And that's kind of what he wrote this book on. And uh, I got very interested in that, and I read it. Uh, what he also did to Sarah was we were trying to we were trying to get pregnant, and we had got she had gotten pregnant a couple months before we met him, and uh, she was convinced that yoga is what helped her get pregnant. Hmm. And I am so happy that th this this guy Eric took the time with my wife to say yoga did not get you pregnant, help you get <laughs> pregnant. Here's what yoga really is. Mm. And he went into how it's Hindu worship and yeah. the yogis don't like the Americans taking the spiritual side out of it mm -hmm. and how Christians shouldn't be involved in it and all those. And, uh, you know, by the spirit of God, we listened. Mm. And I know I'm sure I, I, I've <laughs> there was an experience where I was talking to a student and I said those same things. And that student yelled at me and walked out of my classroom. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, you were God, you were teaching at a Christian school, a Christian high school at that time, right? Yeah, so this is yeah. all when that happened. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I remember all this well. I met Eric Barger, uh, uh -huh. and uh, he was speaking at the same conference I was speaking at, and yeah. uh, 
I think your your mom is the one that actually introduced us. But yes. anyway, great respect for him. We've never actually collaborated, or as far as I know, except for at that conference where we both did breakout sessions. I don't think I've ever shared the platform with him, but I've I've exchanged emails and just always I get his newsletter and I keep up with his ministry. Mm-hmm. Lots of great stuff. But let me interject before you go before you continue. Yeah. You, you, you talked about the video stores and all of that. It reminded me of Neil Postman's book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. I don't know if you've read that. It came out in 85. Um, I remember reading it in my doctoral studies, uh, but essentially it, it's kind of an awake book. He, he compares what's going on in America and has been for decades uh, uh, to Aldous Huxley's A Brave New World and the the, you know, how in that book they medicated themselves into you know, just this euphoria. And uh, they used uh, uh, in the book, uh, it was a drug called Soma, um, which is uh, uh, interesting, uh, the Greek word Soma. But anyway, uh, so he said, basically, we're doing the same thing today. We're we're dumbing down and dulling our senses and just allowing our minds to be programmed by this onslaught of quote unquote entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. But it, he called it amusing ourselves to death. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, at this point in time, in my stories, smartphones were not real popular at the time. Hmm. Uh, they were a thing. People had them, but I did not have one. So this is before you could just sit on the couch and literally spend hours doing social media and stuff. I mean, I went to college. The first year I got to college was really the first year or two that Facebook started to get big when Facebook was only open to college students. So not that that's a long time ago, but gosh, so much has changed in about 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no doubt. It's amazing. It has, yeah. Uh, so after this conference, the biggest mistake I made was I started getting excited about things and I told people about it. I told my students what I learned and I told my students how I was reading the Bible and learn it. Boy, was that a big mistake? Yeah. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but I remember, uh, a little while later, I was on a field trip with seventh graders, and I was reading this book, this entertaining spirits unaware book, and uh, sitting next to me was about five, six, seven middle school boys, and they were talking about a video game called Call of Duty. Now, Call of Duty is an army game, and as I'm reading this book about how entertainment is bad and controlling this, those kids knew every single gun in that game and every single everything, and I thought, oh my gosh. No wonder these kids are so dedicated to it. And that was just an experience that God used to show me that, yeah, this entertainment thing, it actually is a big deal. Um, So I did uh, what I did is we got our DVDs and our movies and our TV shows, and we literally threw them in a trash. Mm. Uh, You know, when Jesus says to, uh, you know, count the cost and don't look back, those sorts of things, that's what we did. We threw them in the garbage and got rid of them. Mm. Uh, and uh, a verse stuck with me. This was early on in my walk. It was Matthew six thirty three, And, you know, Jesus here is uh, talking about worrying. Uh, but he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, contextually, that's talking about your daily needs, you know, clothing, shelter, food. But I kind of took that and applied it of seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, so before I do anything uh, in my free time that would be considered entertainment, my entertaining myself, I'm going to study the Bible or I'm going to listen to something or I'm going to write something or whatever it is. And so that's what I started doing. And man, JB, I started learning a lot really Mm. fast. Mm. You're driving in a spiritual Yugo 
well, that's an old car. So maybe a spiritual Ford Focus. And now you start driving in a Ferrari mm. and you don't realize that the Ford Focus, yeah, it got you from point A to point B, but it's nothing like the power and luxury of that sports car. Mm. And that's the world I was in. And it's amazing what you start learning. And I, I think for, for anybody out there, whatever you're struggling with, I don't know what it is, but imagine if you woke up in the morning and you read or prayed for a half an hour, hour. And then at night after your kids got to bed, you read the Bible for another hour or so. Imagine what would happen to your life. Mm -hmm. Imagine what God could do. And the reason I, I kind of go on the entertainment thing was because looking back, that is the foothold that we gave Satan. We gave him our time and our attention toward those things. And God just couldn't do anything in our life because we were too busy entertaining ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned that in that dystopian uh, Huxley novel, Brave New World, he he called that drug Soma. And the reason I chuckled when I uh, said that is that Soma in Greek, in Greek, sarx means flesh, Soma means body or flesh. So he's, he's and it's used in the New Testament uh, frequently to speak about that part of us that longs for uh, the, the dark side, you know, the, the non-spiritually edifying thing. So the Paul says, for example, in Galatians 5, the flesh, the lust against the spirit. And so it's interesting that uh, Huxley, who, as far as we can tell, was not a believer, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, would use that term soma because theologically it, it has, you know, this sense of pleasing the body, the flesh, the mind and, and, and entertaining ourselves. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's uh, so 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 you got you you're starting to grow. And by the way, uh, basically, my takeaway from what you just said is that if you will read your Bible, God will give you a Ferrari. Is that what you said? Or well, well spiritual Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> just in, just it's, in the metaphorical spirit. In the sense. metaphorical. Yeah, I've never known you to be a health, wealth, and prosperity guy. So I just thought I'd clarify that. But no, it's a great analogy that as you read the Word of God it it's going to energize it's going to fill your your mind with uh the word of god so that when 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 we come up against temptations and circumstances that the spirit of god will then have ammunition to bring back to our uh mind and uh, i know in my life and i've said this many times i can i can tell when i'm really saturating myself in the word of god which is you know, based on my my job and my ministry, it's most of the time. I mean, every day I'm I'm preparing and studying, whether it's for sermons or conference messages or podcasts. Um, but there are times when maybe for a season of a few days, I'm doing podcasts where maybe I'm a guest and I don't have to prepare. I'm just kind of there to answer questions or life gets busy or I've already finished my sermon for the week. So I don't really focus too much that day. And I can tell when it's been two or three days without opening the word, um, man, it's, it's different. It's, you know, uh, I liken it to, uh, you walking on one of those moving sidewalks at the airport. I used to spend a ton of time in airports traveling all the time uh, for our ministry. And uh, you know, the analogy came to me one time while I was on one of those that, you know, you're on the moving sidewalk, you're walking at the same pace as the people beside you that are not on the sidewalk, but you're blowing by them. And so if you're not in the word of God, you know, you can still get from point A to point B, but when you, when you study the word and stay close to the, to the Lord, 
it's gonna it's gonna just energize. It's it's gonna help. Uh, you, you're just gonna see things more clearly. You're gonna think more clearly, and and God's gonna use it in a powerful way. Yeah, and and you know, to, lest anybody think I'm promoting a prosperity gospel, we <laughs> lost all our friends. Mm. Um, and now again, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, you know, you grow and get better as you go. Uh, I was not a good witness, but I did try, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know a lot, but I knew enough to know when they, when there, there was something where they wanted to go to a certain movie or something. I remember texting back, I'm sorry, I can't go to that movie. Jesus Christ has really saved our life mm. or changed our life. And I'm not sure if that was a good witness or not, you know, but, you know, I knew enough to know I'm going to give them the opportunity to know Jesus is what who changed us. Mm. And they can kind of take that how they will. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to listen to uh uh, audio all the time. Uh, I downloaded a whole ton of audio and put them on CDs, you know, that antiquated technology. <laughs> and I would listen to that in my car. And one of the ones I got involved with, I listened to a lot of Walter Martin. Mm -hmm. Now, his study on the cults and, uh, and the occult is top notch. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I will say a word, he is more reformed. Mm -hmm. And so you do have to be careful about that. But his study into the cults and occult is really good. Kingdom of the and cults. Is that what it was called? The kingdom of the cults and yeah. the kingdom of the occult. He did both. Yep. And uh, but something here's a foreshadow to what's coming soon. He didn't talk much about the gospel. Hmm. He kind of assumed everybody believed the same thing about the gospel. And he was more reformed in that you need those works, those evidences. And so he didn't talk much about it, but that started started to be what influenced me and where I came from. So uh, here and, and doing that, you know, God starts to bring people into your life. We had Jehovah's Witness show up at our door hmm. and uh, come to find out they were straight from the watchtower in New York. Hmm. Uh, they were like the missionaries. That's where they went. And uh, again, I didn't didn't know everything, but I knew enough to know to talk about salvation and grace because Christianity and by extension Judaism, those are the only two religions that believe in grace. Hmm. Every single other religion is uh, works-based. Some, yeah. some more than others, but they all are. So anybody out there, if you ever don't know what to talk to or talk about with another person on religion, start talking about grace. Hmm. Start talking about Jesus's death because that's what is grace and his resurrection. Hmm. Yeah, grace meaning so, uh, just free gift, yep. and uh, you know Romans four reminds us um, that uh, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And uh, you know Romans eleven reminds us that uh, if if it's by grace, if salvation is by grace, then it can't be by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If it's of works, it's no longer of grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So, grace mm -hmm. is really the the opposite of works. And uh, we're, as you said, we're the only religion that understands that what you need most, you cannot earn. It must be received as a free gift. Uh, true Judaism, going back to Abraham, who believed yep. and was uh, saved by grace, uh, they also are uh, teach grace. But unfortunately, Judaism has departed from the Word of God today, and it's uh, people in Judaism are uh, following a, a, a you know orthodox religion that has become twisted and legalistic and all of that. But when Christ comes back, the true Messiah, he's going to be embodying and proclaiming grace uh, in high definition. So yeah, I just wanted to define grace there. 
Yeah, and so these uh, these Jehovah's Witnesses, they were named Dan and Lydia, and we got talking to them, and uh, we were convicted, and uh, we ended up inviting them over for dinner. Now, looking back, uh, I think there's some scriptural evidence to uh, indicate. Well, um, we, we lost know. you for a second there. Oh, am I still there? Yep, you're here. Okay. So you said we, you think there's some scriptural evidence for some scriptural evidence to say we shouldn't invite them over to dinner into our house, uh, but we did. You know, that's what we did. But anyway, we so we prepared dinner and my wife, she made bread and she decided it was going to be her, quote, prayer bread. Hmm. As in while she was kneading the dough, she was just praying for Dan and Lydia over and over again. And so here's the first spiritual thing that God does. They got over for dinner. They did not touch that bread. Huh. Now, you could say, oh, well, maybe they don't like bread. Maybe they were gluten free or you know, anything like that. <laughs> But it was interesting that Sarah specifically while she was doing the bread, she prayed for them and they didn't touch it. Huh. And but and so Sarah and I are convinced that's a spiritual thing because there is a spirit of Antichrist. Mm -hmm. no <laughs> as, doubt. You know, as John, you know, not the Antichrist, maybe, but the spirit yeah. of Antichrist yeah. in Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And so and so that's this is how God starts to use you. And uh, I we met with them one more time. Uh, and I talked about doctrine and I got to the point where this guy, where I basically said, okay, so you're going to deny Romans four about a free gift. You're going to deny that Jesus is God based on John eight, you know, and just went down the line. Like you're going to deny all these passages. And he said, well, you know, we just see it differently. <laughs> yeah. I said, okay. All right. So, so kind of, so that's one of the spiritual things. Now the school. So I started telling kids about what I learned. Big mistake at an ecumenical school. Mm. And so I gave a sermon on this entertainment stuff. And uh, I went into detail about some of the, you know, shows or movies or whatever that I knew the kids were watching. And uh, so what happens now, I ran to, to give some background to this story. I ran the sound at the school for the previous couple years, as in I set up all the sound for chapel. So the band getting the mics working and all that uh, for the chapel for, for a couple years. And I, and I got to go to basically every elementary school chapel and every high school chapel. I was speaking at high school chapel. Uh, we had an enormous amount of sound technical problems that morning. We had mics that wouldn't work. We had cables that wouldn't work when they're plugged in. We plugged them into multiple spots. Eventually, we got everything working after trying it over and over. Uh, I had a PowerPoint that I was trying to get from my computer to the computer that was running the sounds and, you know, and the projector stuff. Couldn't get it there. I tried email. I tried the, the network drive. I think eventually I tried two or three thumb drives and eventually I got it on there. Mm. And I remember, I remember still vividly walking up the steps of the uh, gymnasium to the upper level and having all these audio problems and not getting my PowerPoint and just going, God, I don't know if this is demons or not, but if it is in Jesus's name, make them go away. Huh. And that's exactly when my PowerPoint came through. Wow. Yeah. So I have absolutely no doubt that that was direct demonic intervention. And the reason I say that is because that never happened to anybody else in the entire five years I was running sound there. Yeah, I think we talked about this before on a previous podcast when we were talking about the demonic power signs and lying wonders. Um, there's no question that the unseen realm of the evil spirits can, in fact, 
you know, interact with, um, you know, the the physical materialistic things, right? Now, it doesn't mean that Absolutely. every time you have a mic squeal that it's a demon, right? Obviously, sometimes there's just the natural, normal problems that come with with wiring and technologies. But in this case, when you are specifically going to be talking about grace and the gospel and 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 it just intervenes, and then seeing how it stopped the moment you prayed, uh, I, I think the the evidence is clear. I, we've had that happen many times. Uh, you know, people that have followed our ministry ha- have probably seen it. But uh, you know, one time recently, I was speaking at a conference in Tulsa, and right in the middle of talking about the Lord, uh, the gospel specifically, the fire alarm in the hotel goes off. I mean, oh, blaring yeah. loud. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the devil. He he does not. The devil's two goals are to keep the lost lost and the saved defeated, and he can accomplish both by overshadowing or clouding the the grace message and and blinding men's hearts to grace. And so uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm. Yeah, and and that happened to me on one other occasion uh, with the sound. Except the second time, I knew what to do about it a little bit sooner, so <laughs> it wasn't as bad. Um, <laughs> So in the it, what's interesting is that that sermon I gave, uh, I had some I had multiple multiple students come up after me and ask me questions, talked about how they were convicted of things. It happened on Halloween, so I even had now at the school they weren't supposed to dress up, but of course kids still like you know, kind of under the rug dressed up like they'd wear something that was just a little odd but not quite you couldn't consider it a costume i had kids tell me that they were convicted about it and you know and changed uh now the difference is the school hated it uh Hmm. i had to have a call from the bible teacher who was really really angry about it and all the board they you know dropped it up to the board real quick and the administration hated it and uh i it, it got bad enough that uh the bible teacher wanted to have a uh I can't call it a debate. He wanted to get in front of the teachers at a teacher's meeting and talk about my sermon and talk about from his point of view, it didn't really matter that, uh, that, you know, sin doesn't, you know, this isn't really sin. It's just what we watch on TV and it's not a big deal. And then I could, and I could just agree with him and that would smooth things over. Oh, wow. And, uh, I stood my ground and I don't know that my behavior was the best. Uh, you know, looking back, I'm not sure I did it in all the right ways, but I stood my ground and boy, did he get angry about it. Mm. Um, and that just started the cascading thing. Was it, all the, was it the, uh, the grace message in particular that, that kind of undergirded what you were saying that bothered him? Or was it simply that you were taking a stand on some of these issues that are clearly, you know, sinful? So JB, I didn't understand the gospel very, very well. This is before I met you. <laughs> and so I did not preach the gospel very well. I was not nearly as clear or accurate as I could have been. Mm. Um, so he was mad about putting all these issues in front of students and them not liking it. Mm. Uh, now, but that's a foreshadow to what will come with the gospel. Mm. So as I saw this, I see how big of an impact it's having. God's using me. I'm interested in it. So I started doing more research. Um, and here's just some things to, uh, to if you want to go out and research, I'll warn you, be spiritually ready. But I, I have a music degree. And so I started looking up demonic presence in music and things like that. You can find uh, testimony after testimony of bands being on stage, talking about a presence that overcame them, that it wasn't them playing. 
uh, over and over and over again. There's tons of references to that. Um, if there is, uh, there's plenty of bands that they literally do altar calls to Satan, hmm. as in if you've ever been to like, you know, any kind of uh, Christian conference or maybe a concert where they give the gospel and they ask people to come down uh, to the front and talk with somebody or anything like that, uh, they do that for Satanism. Uh, that is a real thing that happens. Uh, you can find lots of reports of people that make uh, horror movies or horror video games having really, really bad nightmares mm. and how bad. So these are some of the things I started studying uh, and getting aware of because I was dealing with high schoolers. Um, mm. I remember I had two students that were really into kind of the death metal scene and they gave me some lyrics. And I mean, these lyrics were, I mean, very, very bad as, you know, calling Satan into the world, wanting Satan to bless things, you know, demons come take your power and take over the world. I mean, this wasn't just kind of a bland, uh, let's talk about bad things. This was very direct. Mm. And so that music industry out there, I mean, you know, because I was involved in music a lot more back then, it, it's a dark place and we need to be very aware of that. And so when we listen to music, that could be giving the devil a foothold. Now, music and stuff, that's a topic of its own, but just be aware uh, we need to be careful about it. Um, JB, you might know about this one. Uh, we all know who Beyonce is. I will tell the listeners out there, um, you need to look up Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. Mm -hmm. Sasha Fierce is Beyonce's, uh, can we call it stage presence? Uh, but the way she talks about Sasha Fierce, boy, it sounds like possession to me. Um, yeah. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah. And but. by the way, folks can go back to my June 20th prophecy night video. So just about three or four weeks ago, June 20th. And we talked about this very thing, and I gave several examples, uh, Beyonce, several others that are channeling demons that uh, it, have been publicly admitting that they get their inspiration from their their channel, you know, their spirit guide, they call them. Uh, so yeah, very, very much uh, a deep, dark spiritual underworld in, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So then, JB, I met you, and I started learning about the gospel. And I also found out at the school that uh, the Bible classes weren't teaching the Bible. Uh, and what I and that sounds kind of strange to be said that a Christian school doesn't teach the Bible. Uh, but what I mean by that is most of their Bible classes, they would put a Bible verse on the projector at the beginning of class. Uh, they would have the kids write about it. And then they would tend to discuss some kind of controversial topic in Christianity and basically just discuss it and never come to a conclusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An, an, an example would be they'd have they'd have two students take separate sides of an issue. So let's take uh, you know Calvinism and Arminianism, and they would assign it to students. They would give a presentation or a paper and say, "This is why I think Calvinism true. This is why I think Arminians true." And the teacher would go, "Good job, guys." Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's it's, it's it all about. that that's typical postmodern education. It's it's all signpost and no destination, you know, all all flight and no you know uh airstrip, you know, no landing site. So they they and then you know that's what makes a great teacher by today's standards is that you welcome and embrace all the different views and the more views you can throw up there and, and accommodate the, the more research you've done, but they don't give the definitive ruling on the matter the way God's word does. 
Yeah. So I taught band class and I started reading the Bible at the beginning of the class. And my biz, big mistake was I claimed to know what it said. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you listen to me back then, I would say, guys, go do the research for yourselves. Go re- go do it for yourselves, because ultimately you do need to s- decide between you and God uh, mm. what it's going to be. You know, I don't want you and I, JB, I know I've heard you say this. I don't want you to believe it because I said so. Right. I want you to believe it because the Bible says so. And I'm a fallible human being. And even though I, you know, I'm pretty right, I want you to research it too. Yeah, because if someone believes something because Lucas said it or I said it or we convince people of our view, then if someone else comes along later that has better arguments or is more eloquent or that just happens to catch them on a a day when you're more tuned into what that person's saying, then you're going to flip flop and start following their view. So we want we of course, we believe our view is accurate, uh, not that we're perfect. and, And theology is a lifelong process where we might refine our view over time as we continue to study God's word. But obviously, I wouldn't hold a view if I didn't think it was right. But I don't want to browbeat you into agreeing with me. I want to drive you to the Word of God uh, so that you can come to the same conclusion. But let me give one quick little anecdote of what you're talking about when you dared to say you were right. You know, you dared to say you had the answer, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I uh, was speaking uh, for a series of um, time over in uh, Kodiak Island, Alaska, and uh, I was teaching twice on Sundays for five weeks, and I would teach the main service and then an adult a class that met in the sanctuary, and uh, I was doing an overview of Bible end times prophecy. And one lady at the back raised her hand and said, uh, "This sounds like uh, dispensationalism." Uh, I hadn't used that term. I would. It wasn't like an academic setting. I was just trying to give them what the Bible says. And I go, "Well, yeah, that's that's the overarching term for what we believe." And she goes, "Well." Uh, what about covenant theology? Uh, do you give any any credence to their view? And I said, no, I was trying to get on and get, you know, get on with the, the lecture. We had a limited time, 45 minutes. So I said, no, I, I don't. And she interrupted again and said, well, why not? And I said, well, because I think they're wrong. <laughs> so when I used that W word, boy, she came unglued and she ended up going to the elders and talking to people. How dare he say they're wrong? All I said was they're wrong. You know, they think I'm wrong. It's okay for them to think I'm wrong, but it's not okay for me to think they're wrong. But in this postmodern age, uh, right and wrong are rapidly disappearing, aren't they? Yeah. Well, all I've got here's a piggyback story for me. I, I, so as I started learning more about the gospel and more about doctrine, I talked less and less about the entertainment stuff. And I still remember there's a sweet girl, super, super smart. I remember we went through the first four verses of Romans 4. And uh, you kind of already said that earlier. Um, And I remember she never had anybody read just the first four verses and how clear that is about Mm -hmm. faith alone and not works. Mm -hmm. And she about couldn't get her mouth off the floor. I mean, she just kind of kept staring at me. And I'm like, yeah, it really is that simple. Well, but what about this? When I would just reread one of the verses or, you know, whatever was applicable. And she, she almost couldn't handle it. I spent a lot of time with that girl and she really thought through, it got to the point, and here's the spiritual battle, even within a Christian school, it got to the point where that same guy in charge of the Bible department that got angry at me stuff before, he eventually told her that I was brainwashing her. Oh, wow. And and that's how far it'll get. Just like that experience you just said, that's how far it'll go. Cause he was Calvinistic. 
And so that's how far it'll go when you want to defend your theological point, mm. Mm. you know? So, so I, I taught one of the other, you know, spiritual experiences was I was teaching a class on philosophy and, uh, you know, it was philosophy, but relating it back to the Bible. It wasn't just, you know, I'm going to teach Aristotle or Hume or whatever, you know, let's go. Uh, it was during the winter and the roads were very snowy and I was driving my car and I was coming up to a uh, stoplight and my power steering all the way, all of a sudden went out. Mm -hmm. And so as I started to turn, there were cars coming in the oncoming lane and I, it, not only was it snowy and slippery, but the power steering was out. I could not turn my wheel. Mm -hmm. Somehow I managed to get in the lane and then get onto the school. That never happened ever in that car. <laughs> and that was a day I was very going to very specifically talk about the gospel and how it's related to these different philosophical systems. So just another one of those, you could have said, yeah, cars are weird. But at the same time, I say, boy, it's a little strange. It happened only that one time on that one day. I think, yeah. I think I, the demons affected the car. Isolated examples. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so all this, you know, it was the entertainment stuff that started. And, you know, I was, kids were coming to me and I'm sure a lot of the Bible teachers weren't liking that because I was just this Yahoo band teacher that kids were coming to for Bible stuff. Um, and so I made a, and so as I kept going in the school, um, th this is, so I bought a, uh, <laughs> I bought it. So JB, you know, you talk a lot about the conspiracy stuff. So this, uh, this uh, philosophy course I was teaching, I started to include music in there because I was a music teacher. You know, I have to throw the bone to that. Mm -hmm. Well, I bought a book on music and the Illuminati. Mm. So the kids took it home. And actually I had, the kids were really interested in it. And actually I found they showed it to their parents and their parents were really interested in it, but the school got a hold of it. And that was the worst thing anybody could have done was, you know, have this Illuminati garbage in our school. We're not going to have that. Now, how dare you call out the Illuminati, who are Satan worshipers, widely attested in history, started by Adam Weisskopf in 1776. There's no, it's a fact not in dispute that they exist. And all you were doing was calling them out and uh, the school, they can't have that. So uh, my boss, the principal, during a school hour, we had this long gosh, 30, maybe 45 minute discussion where she talked about this kind of stuff. Well, come to find out the real problem with me was actually the gospel. Hmm. It wasn't the entertainment stuff. It wasn't the spiritual stuff. It was the gospel that she didn't like. She was Calvinistic too. She did not like grace. <laughs> if mm. you just want to say it plainly. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we've talked, we started off talking about the sway of the wicked one and all that is these little spiritual experiences and these walls, Satan will fight, I think, more against the gospel than anything else. And I ended up getting fired from that school. And it mm. was the gospel. That mm. was the problem is that I was teaching grace. Mm. And so we had that big knockout fight and uh, it was just, you know, and I remember saying the, the one real big memory I have from that, we ended up talking about the gospel. And I, and I said, wait a minute, if we're more concerned about how everyone has their different view on the gospel and what it is, why am I not just one more view out there why is my view the problem view and all she said was you know that's the problem with you is that's what you think it uh, that's all this is 
So <laughs> she didn't really have an answer to it. It's just the problem. And so that was, you know, in a Christian school, you can have all those spiritual things going on, but the gospel is really what's going to get fought against. No doubt. I, I tell the story in my book, Getting the Gospel Wrong, which is the first book I ever wrote 20 years ago, <clears throat> first of, of now 12, I think. And in the second edition to that book, uh, in the preface, I tell the story of a church that that I left uh, over a battle for the gospel uh, years ago, because one of the, uh, there was, it's a long story, I won't get into all the details, but one of the uh, board members of the church looked at me in the eye and said, JB, you care too much about the gospel, because I was taking a stand about a Christian school that the church was associated with that was preaching a false gospel. And I said, we don't need to be associated with this school. They're promoting a false gospel. And he said, well, you just care too much about the gospel. <laughs> so, but that's yeah. uh, that's the devil. He hates the gospel. He hates grace because it's the only solution to his, you know, attack. You know, everyone is born a child of the devil, sold under sin, born dead in our trespasses and sins. And our task is to become a child of God. And John 1, 12 says you do that by receiving Christ by faith. And so uh, he's going to do everything he can to uh, to try to convince people that salvation's not free, grace is not free, you got to earn it, and he's going to do everything he can to hide grace from people. Mm -hmm. And to kind of, I'm going to tell one more story, well, maybe uh, two, two more stories to kind of conclude it. But, you know, when we talk about the gospel, I remember a conversation with the guy, he was my age. Uh, we're about an hour. We we're talking about James 2. And I gave the background of it. We even went into Galatians and some of those things. We talked for about 55 minutes and I got him all the way around to saying, yeah, I guess it's grace alone, not works. Because again, he was Calvinistic. But at the end, we, you know, I used everything I could do to prove that. And he was right along with me and we get done and he kind of goes, yeah, but works still have to be involved somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and it was just this like, you know, you kind of and, you know, you just don't know what to do. And we mentioned, you know, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So when we're not abiding in Christ, I know that guy probably didn't read his Bible much. And I've met one other guy. I know this has happened to you, too, JB. He ended up listening to my I was on the radio for a little while and he listened to my stuff. And he, you know, oh, so you're dispensational, right? I go, well, yeah, I mean, I prefer to just say I believe the Bible, but, you know, <laughs> kind of what you just did. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's dispensational. He goes, yeah, I used to be dispensational, but, you know, I've become more reformed as I started reading the Puritans. Yeah. <laughs> Not I was reading the Bible and I changed yeah. my view. It was I was reading these other guys. And, you know, that seems to be that sway, that spiritual disconnect is I've never met anybody that says, I was reading the Bible and I changed to Calvinism or I changed to, no. you know, whatever it is. Uh -uh. It, it doesn't happen. And so if we would just, you know, read our Bible and really get in tune with the gospel and these spiritual forces that are getting greater, that's what your book says, and they are, uh, we'd, we'd probably be a lot better off. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, no question. So that's, uh, we, we've got the, the only other one. We had a, uh, we had a church split experience. <laughs> that you were involved in, JB. And I, without going into a lot of detail, boy, was there a spiritual darkness over that. Mm -hmm. um, you could, there were times during that church split, you could almost feel it. You know, you, you could cut the spiritual influence in blocks and sell it if you wanted out of the air. I mean, it was that thick. Um, when we had a church official from, you know, the, uh, the denomination come down, uh, there was a couple 
who was talking to him, and they'd made mention that his eyes kept doing funny things. Hmm. His eyes kept kind of turning black, or they, you know, they they just kind of those, and you could say, well, maybe that was just a weird, you know, the angle of the light or something, but they said, no, 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 they turned black, pitch black, and then they would go back to normal as he was saying things. Mm. And, you know, that's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I was very much uh, not involved. I was, I, I had already left the area by the time that that blew up, but a dear friend of mine and yours, uh, uh, Garth was, uh, was kind of front and center in that he is the pastor that kind of taken over after I left. And, uh, and yeah, I don't want to, you know, call out too many names, but it was a denominational thing where the denomination was Wesleyan was, uh, you know, Nazarene type where they believed works were vital and that you could, uh, lose your salvation, uh, or forfeit your salvation, they would say. And uh, they did not like that I had been preaching that. I was an anomaly uh, in that church. Um, you know, it was while we were doing Not By Works and the church had lost its pastor. It was right down the road from where our office was. And I just uh, stopped in one day to say, hey, could I could I help? You know, we were looking for supplemental income at the time. And, and so one thing led to another. And I became the pastor there for three years. And uh and it was uh, the, the denomination didn't like it at all because I was preaching you know, a grace message, um, but the church loved it. And uh, the church never really kind of got off off the ground. I mean, we had a lot of new folks that, you know, that's when you started coming there and we had yeah. some folks come in, but uh, it was, I think the devil had a stronghold there and it was just, it was going to be difficult to ever uh to ever grow we did start a prophecy night deal there not we didn't start it but we started hosting it called uh, until he returns and we would have sometimes 120 people from a variety of different churches that would meet on monday nights uh, for that um but uh i know exactly the situation you're talking about and so basically what you're saying is that especially in the context of grace and the gospel uh demonic spirits like to show up and they can, you know, cause all sorts of havoc in an effort to keep the message from being heard. Is that is that a good summary? Yes. And after the, uh, so the church split and we went with the side that believed the gospel, it was, so I was on the outside at, because I, I was one of the younger ones. And so they made kind of an elder board. And so I was obviously involved with Garth and some of the people involved being on the outside and then watching what happened with a merger, a church merger they were trying to do the, the way, how do I say this? The way Satan worked to break up our fellowship was, was amazing because we had all just left a church and Satan got to work so fast to break us up our fellowship. Cause I still think we were one of the only groups in the, you know, Illinois, central Illinois area that was preaching the right thing. And to see the infighting that started happening between us, uh, the confusion and darkness surrounding the whole merger situation, um, it, it ended up just the situation just kind of fell apart. And it was such a shame for me to see that. Now, we've all made up. We're all still in contact. Everybody's forgiven everybody. But it was amazing to watch that spiritual uh darkness that happened and the the relationships that got ruined and things and there was no reason for it other than some sort of spiritual influence over it. yeah and and it was a dark time i mean garth of Very. course died suddenly in the midst of all that that was tragic mm -hmm. and uh 
just, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, he died because of a demonic attack, but I'm saying no. there were a lot of dark things that happened during that time that just showed, you know, this battle for the gospel. And we've seen it in our 35 years of ministry. We've seen it, or you know, Winnie and I have been married 31 years. I've been in ministry 35, but we've, we've seen again and again, the, the worst times that we've walked through, whether through conflict, tragedy, attacks, whatever, are always centered around the gospel. If we go back and look at it, there's something going on in that moment where either the Spirit of God was allowing the gospel to go forth with great power, or there was a, you know, something happening where we were given the opportunity to share the gospel, just like you were talking about at the school, and uh, and the devil, you know, intervened, and so. Uh, I, I really appreciate, Lucas, the way you've <clears throat> kind of made the gospel central to this. I mean, obviously, when demon, when demonic spirits show up, uh, all kinds of crazy things can happen. In the previous podcast, we've talked about some of the phenomenalistic things and paranormal things that can happen. Um, but, you know, be especially alert uh, if you're, if you're, talking about the gospel because that's that's certainly their radar is tuned to that they being the demons and they're gonna they're gonna be all over it uh when that kind of thing happens right yes uh can i do one more story to conclude yes absolutely this, this this is a story about you know as uh sometimes discouraging it can sound god always wins mm -hmm. uh i had a student that uh, she graduated and kind of lost contact with her and then about you know three four years after uh, we had lost contact all out of the blue. I got a text from her asking if she could come over. I said, okay, sure. Why don't you come over? And, and so she got there. Uh, turns out she had been living with her boyfriend for a couple of years. Uh, she had basically broke off connection with her parents. Um, her boyfriend wasn't doing anything and she was actually paying for everything. Um, and she was coming back to me because she remembered I, you know, I, I, I had been a foundation for her when she was in high school. So we get there and, and my kid was, Elijah was still little. So we ended up taking a walk with her. So Sarah, Sarah was pushing, I, we were pushing the stroller and she was walking with her. And, uh, and, and this is after I had met you. And so I was a little more up on the gospel. And I said, well, uh, tell me about when you first trusted in Christ. And she just kind of said, well, I don't know. I know what happened as a kid when I was really young. I don't remember exactly a time, but I've no eyes always believed. I said, well, you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave. She's like, well, yeah, of course. I said, well, e either either now or as a kid, now you're saved and you're going to heaven. And that's the end of the story. And she just kind of had this, well, what do you mean? I hmm. said, well, well, if you believed he gave you eternal life and you're going to heaven. You, well, you mean I don't have to do anything for it? No, no. Hmm. And you don't have to keep doing anything for it. You know, kind of all that. And I just remember there was just kind of this spiritual moment, like even I could tell it was this weight that had been lifted off her. Mm. Because what happens if, if, if you've been experiencing this, if you're listening, if you go with the Calvinistic Arminian doctrine, if you believe that and you believe that you've got to somehow persevere or keep doing good things, whatever, well, guess what? When you're high schooler, is a high schooler, they're going to do some not good things and they're <laughs> going to make a lot of mistakes. And if you believe that they are not persevering, you're going to think they're not saved. Mm. And I saw fight after fight between parents and kids about whether they were saved or not. 
and it just caused havoc in so many households. And that's what happened to this girl. And so when she heard somebody so clear after she was ready to hear it, somebody say, no, 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 it's grace. Once you believe you're saved, that was this weight that was lifted off of her. Amen. Amen. And so she ended up, this boyfriend she was living with, well, they started having all these problems, these, all these relationship problems. No wonder. Eventually got him to come to church, which was at the church you were at at the mm -hmm. time. And they came and then we went out to lunch after that, me, her boyfriend and, and my son at the time. A son at the time. Oh, he's still my son. He was young at the time. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> and so, and I remember this kid, he was, her boyfriend was smart and we talked about things. And I remember he said, and he, he was very into relativism. There's no truth. You know, it doesn't matter. You can believe what you want, all this. And we eventually got to the point where something got brought up about some fights they'd been having in their relationship. And I said, well, what do you think a good relationship is? And he said something about good communication or something that was, that was right about good relationships. And I said, well, wait a minute, didn't you just make an absolute and a truth? <laughs> and there was this moment of silence. And I still remember this girl looking at her boyfriend and seeing that he didn't have an answer. <laughs> and again, you could just, I can't describe it, but there was this spiritual sense where it's like something just was broken or, or lifted or whatever you want to say off of this girl into commitment to this guy. Mm. She left him. Her relationship got restored with her parents. She ended up getting married and has three wonderful kids now. And so God wins those spiritual battles. Amen. Uh, oh man. I, I love it. I, I tell you what, I mean, uh, we should be prepared for battles in the spiritual realm just from this podcast as soon as I post it, because we are putting the devil on notice that grace wins. Uh, and, you know, God's grace is sufficient and grace is the only hope of eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. Uh, and, you know, going back to, to to come full circle where we started with your discussion of First John, you know, First John 4 reminds us in that same passage where it talks about testing the spirits, where it talks about the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among us, it reminds us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So yes, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Yes, uh, demonic spirits will uh, rear their ugly heads in a variety of contexts. It could be technological, it could be you know car wrecks and things like that. But in the end, uh, Satan is no match for the, the matchless grace of God, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like the persistent widow. Yeah. Keep yeah. praying. God tells you to be consistent. If you have to pray for that person every day, more than once a day, keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It One of the greatest books on evangelism ever written is by Lewis Berry Chafer called True Evangelism. And it's really a book about prayer. Because prayer is, it, you know, salvation is ultimately a spiritual issue. It's a, it's a matter of going from spiritual death to spiritual life. And you cannot argue someone into the faith. You cannot convince them. Uh, you cannot compel them. The Holy Spirit has to convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so it becomes a matter of prayer in the spiritual realm, praying for their uh, eyes to be opened to uh, their need for a Savior, and then their willingness to simply receive from Him the free gift of eternal life. So, well, yeah. we've been talking to Lucas Doremus, and uh, just a fascinating uh, 
time. The time went by so fast, but so grateful for uh, everything that you've uh, taught us uh, today. Uh, I encourage you to check out his books. By the way, our church, Plum Creek Chapel in Colorado, is using one of his books on our Wednesday night Bible study, which is a, a study led by one of our uh, leaders, uh, but it's his book on the parables of Jesus. And uh, Lamp lamp on a Lampstand, is that what it's called? Lamp on a Lampstand, yep. Yeah, and so uh, that's a great book um, about the parables of Jesus. Uh, but of course, his book, Deceiving by Signs, is also available. He's got some others, one on Job, I think one on Ecclesiastes too. Oh, Ecclesiastes. Yeah. So uh, check him out. You can get those at amazon.com. Again, Lucas Doremus, D-O-R-E-M-U-S. And uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Can't wait for our next uh, next time together. Uh, let's talk off air about uh, another topic and time. And uh, you are really... Uh, uh, getting you on our program has been a, a, a just a great blessing to NBW Ministries. So thanks for 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 being a part of what we do. Oh, thanks, I'm blessed by it. <laughs> well, God bless everyone. Uh, later today, we'll post. Probably tonight, we'll post our uh, podcast uh, that I'm doing later with uh, Christian Underground News Network. But lots of great material out there from this week. Uh, be sure and check out NotByWorks.org when you get time. Lots of free videos, devotionals, podcasts, all kinds of resources there uh, for you. And as always, if we can ever be of help with anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, God bless everyone. Have a great rest of the day.